Welcome to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology. I'm Sarah Butler, and today on this episode of Location Matters, we're joined by Mel Flanagan, founder of Nook Studios, which is a community of storytellers and designers, as well as welcoming back Dion Fleming, Lively's senior account manager, who has a background in GIS. Government and organisations are collecting huge amounts of data, and this is growing rapidly every year. Understanding what data has a location component and being able to visualise this on a map helps give context to insights and is an easy way to digest a large amount of data quickly. As Nook Studios realised, mapping is one opportunity to tell a story. However, with the data collected by social groups, community services, environmental groups and government agencies, there are many more opportunities to interpret data and visualise this for non-technical audiences and users. So first of all, guys, um, I'd really like to thank you both for, for coming on the podcast today. Thank no, you, Sarah, for, um, for having us. No worries. So, Mel, I want to get started with you. I, I had the pleasure of meeting you last year. I think I was actually really new to NGIS at the time. How did you get started in this area? And what is it that drives you to take these stats and, and reports and, I guess, more mundane information that I know you've seen before because you've told me about it and I don't want to spoil it for our listeners, but to take that and, and make it more compelling for people to understand? I guess to start with, my background is in storytelling, so making theatre and film, but now I prefer to work on real-world problems. did a bit of a career shift around 15 years ago and then that kind of led to me becoming a cre- what's called a creative technologist. So I make software, productivity tools, and design with data. And and one of the things that I've never really kind of called myself before is a designer. So I'm a service designer as well. So a product designer, service designer. So all the work that I do now um, is taking all of my experiences to help people make sense of the world, to help them understand how things work, what their rights are, and for people to participate in decisions that affect them, particularly when governments or industry are making them. Yeah, so I love being a data storyteller as the work we do has potential to have like positive social impact to make a difference. I also really enjoy making cross-platform content, so taking information that's locked up in long PDFs if you people have time to read and making that compelling and easy to engage with. So the Nook is to help people understand the impact humans are having on the environment, such as creating jobs to stop pollution, manage our land and resources better and also kind of help keep the planet clean and livable for the next generations. So I guess my, my work with location data really started with an interactive data documentary series we're developing about life cycle stories, the stories of materials and natural resources, the things we use every day and take for granted. The location aspect was originally to show the provenance, the supply chains, so where things come from, where things go. The emphasis was to really show how resources are made, extracted, processed, and what could happen at the end of their life to make them much more useful rather than just go throwing the stuff back into the ground where it came from. That said, most of the work we do at the Nook is actually related to transparency and engagement. So what we do now is help um, make sense of complex government information, usually around the time when government departments want and need to do sort of support community consultation or do community engagement, such as Future Transport, where the New South Wales government needed to seek feedback on their infrastructure plans for the next 40 years, which is the project that NGIS came and helped with. What we're best known for is our work bringing to life the mining and production data for a community audience to help them understand what exploration and mining activities are proposed or happening in their local area. 
And that was a web application called Common Ground that we made with the New South Wales government. I guess it's really around kind of making sense of that data for people to engage with it and understand what's happening around them. And, you know, extractive industries and natural resources is all that place. So location is an essential part of that data story. Great. And I know you and I spoke about when we met how Nook Studios are open government partners. So how did open government begin? And I guess I know it was at the start of your journey as well. And what does it entail from a business perspective? Well, I mean, firstly, I heard about open government back in 2012 uh, and was when we were making common ground. It was like, for me, that was just mind blowing. And I thought like, this is such a, such a, a fantastic um, a thing to embrace. And at the time, people were thinking about open government just as open data. Um, and that's one of the core principles of open government, but it's really for technical people. There's so much more to open government. The open government partnership as platform was created back in 2011, and it was seven different countries coming together to find ways to share the knowledge and to be better democracies, really. So there's now 70, over 70 countries that have signed up for it, and Australia joined the open government partnership back in 2015. And the whole kind of purpose of that is for people to come together, so inside government and outside government, to develop some commitments and a national action plan that the government must follow uh, to, to be more open. So there have been two national action plans which I've been quite involved with and we're about to kick into the third national action plan for Australia next year. And a lot of the work we do now is kind of helping its way in open government. We're unusual at Nook because we're designers and we're storytellers and we work across a number of different open government initiatives. So a lot of what we do is support the technical teams who are implementing uh, open government reforms, humanising data, uh, designing the data narratives and making it easier for people to connect with the information. So open government's really about transparency, like how government makes decisions, what they're spending, their relationships, who they're buying from, who they're giving contracts to and why, and government being more open to collaboration and participation with citizens and communities and things like policy design and delivery, and being open about the data they're using to make evidence-based decisions. So what we're looking at and advocating for is allowing us citizens in the private sector to validate and contribute data to those evidence bases. So we know that you know we're getting that kind of full story. And again, that comes back to location data, like how do we collect that data? How do we present it? So there's a really big growing movement around that kind of use of data. So what we wanted to do was embody open government in the making of common ground. So we were able to introduce participatory design to the New South Wales government when we were making it. At first, our, our project leaders in the department were, were really nervous about that. Um, but when they realised the value and the goodwill we were developing and engaging with you know, over 200 people to make the service, they really came on board quite fundamentally. And for me, that you know that participation uh, in the making of government services is at the really at the heart of open government. How did you feel that your professional experience in the film industry would add value there? Um, our project leaders had the confidence in me to be a bit kind of revolutionary because of my theatre and filmmaking and through that filmmaking and visual effects have had experience working on agile projects and software projects and so I'm not really a traditional IT person because it was really around that connecting with people which made a point of difference. And I really love managing creative and technical teams. So it was a, I, I really love this kind of transition into creative tech from being, you know, storyteller. Yeah, that's awesome. So you talked a little bit about your, your I guess, your earlier journey with MAPS and I'm, I'm guessing how you got in touch with NGIS in the first place. You mentioned that that was the Common Ground Project. 
What role did maps play in your storytelling for that project? Well, I mean, I love maps, especially well-designed ones, and many of the online map products are designed for technical people. So the broader and community audience's data needs context. Maps often provide context data data, but location's not usually enough. So the data that we work with and what we often create is little data dictionaries. You can provide all the, you know, the license, mining license title information as much as you like, but most people don't really understand them. So we really find out what, you know, making sure that the intended audience can understand what we're saying, the clarity of purpose, and just having simple backgrounds to help people engage with the information and the education purpose as well. So they can really understand quickly what they're looking for and what they're looking at and what they can do with that information. We do a lot of infographics at the Nook and illustrations, and that's a great way to engage people. Like GIFs and animations are cost-effective and a great way of making content more engaging. But it really depends on the data story. The other thing for us is really in the future, and I think there's going to be a bit more of a need for this, is maps and infographics are really hard to make accessible. So audio is extremely important, and that's some of the things we haven't been able to do on the project thus far, but we'd like to do in future projects. But there's a really big growing need for people designing maps for organisations such as governments who need to be WCAG compliant. And so the other thing we do is making sure that not everything is digital because not everyone has access to digital technology. So paper is still really important, especially in the work we're doing around community engagement, particularly in like rural areas or yeah, people who don't have access to the internet. So interactive maps are great, but they're not for everyone and not everyone can have access to them. And that was one of the, the pieces of work that we did with NGIS, which was on the future transport strategy, which was transport for New South Wales, looking at what they had. They were trying to get the plans and strategies out there in a draft form to get community feedback on that. So they were, you know, it was kind of that participation piece of work. So there were surveys, there were maps, there were data visualizations, there was a whole bunch of stuff. And so what we were having to do was basically take the information that was in paper form, the PDFs, the papers, and publish that online immediately. So most workflows when government's doing those kind of community engagement pieces is they design the InDesign file, there's maps, there's a whole bunch of information in that, then they usually publish a PDF. So what we were trying to do was actually break away from that and make the content accessible. So we produced well over 100 maps. Some of them were story maps, some of them were explaining policy, and then some of them were actually the plans, the maps that had the data in them that was real locations, real places, real projects, or initiatives that the government wanted people to uh, give some feedback on. So, you know, inland rail or whatever it is, how to improve connections between regional towns. So it was really great to have the help of NGIS at that point because what the government were doing was creating these maps in PowerPoint. So we were getting PowerPoint maps and then having to turn those around really quickly into something that was actually usable, um, legible, accurate and kind of designed. So we had to work on sort of a map workflow for rapid changes to publish things in print but also online. So it's a really different experience to Common Ground, which was, it's out there, it's interactive, it's updated daily to a, this is a moment in time for community engagement. We really needed to make sure the information was legible and that we could have that kind of quick iteration of just being able to change data as we needed whenever feedback came through. I think one of the important lessons that I'm, I'm hearing here, or one of the key takeaways is that there's probably a lot of organisations out there at the moment who are trying to take their data and I guess tell stories with it a little more effectively than they have in the past. 
Dion, is this a trend that you're seeing with your clients? Are they trying to look outside the box when it comes to communicating their information? Do you have anyone that, you know, I guess springs to mind? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think there are a lot of companies that that have that have data and they communicate it. There's obviously so many mediums for communicating that information out there. And just like Mel mentioned, there's, there's all kinds of things, audio, GIFs, animations, um, all these sort of things. But yeah, a lot of the data is inherently spatial. Um, and so yeah, trying to display that on a map, it means that it really localizes the story. So it brings the user in, it makes them, almost transports them to it, it makes them feel a part of it. So that's some of, the, some of the examples we've seen and some of the work we've done is, has done exactly that. So yeah, there's a couple of, a couple of customers we've, uh, or clients we've worked with in the past. I mean, one that comes to mind is Plastic Free July. So yeah, they were a, a Australia-based charity. Yeah, running a running a campaign in July about reducing the use of single or single-use plastic, and yeah, what they did was showcase participation and the reach of their campaign around the world um, on a map. And the other sort of mediums for that is something like a list or, or some sort of infographic, but it, it didn't really um, didn't really showcase it in the right format. So yeah, we put together an interactive map in this case. Um, that, where users could go in and see events that were in their region and, and it also then was used as a, a communication tool to show the reach and how many participants they had um, all around the globe. A couple of others that come to mind, Coastal Risk is one that NGIS worked on a few years ago um, and I feel like what that, that really did was connect the user to the story um, which was all around sea level rise. It sort of it localised the impact. It made you think about exactly where do I live and what's the impact going to be for me. So instead of just reading some generic statistics saying sea level rise is going to be X metres, it's yeah, it makes it feel like there's a real impact to you. Um, it sort of takes you, puts you in the story in a way. And then, yeah, another one that um, one of our partners has worked on, Carto, one of our technology partners, um, is the Global Forest Watch. It always gets a lot of interest, um, which is sort of a, an application that demonstrates forest loss and gain around the world. So, yeah, again, a really powerful story, and the data there is obviously inherently spatial. So there's a lot of satellite imagery uh, analysis that goes on beforehand, and then they, they simply present that to the user and communicate that information to them. Um, so yeah, a couple of yeah really good examples of, of using spatial data uh, as a communication tool for sure. So I think that from an organisation to consumer point of view, I like what you mentioned there about it providing, I guess, a little bit of context to the user about how something happening around them, whether it is government or if it is environmental or any other piece like that, it helps, you know, give them that real life context. Okay, how does this affect me? Do you think that the fact that people are using maps so much in their everyday life helps contribute to, I guess, that sense of familiarity, you know, that people are more deeply entrenched now mm. in using maps to do pretty much, I think everybody at some stage in their day yeah. is using maps. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, um, it always surprises me how familiar people are with things like Google Maps. And I think, yeah, sort of young people growing up now there's an expectation that um, that there'll be a map around either whether they're finding their way they're tracking when their online shopping orders coming in or uh, looking for a new house or a new hotel or, or a hotel to stay in there's all, yeah all those sorts of things they expect to see a map there which is great um, and yeah coming from the GIS industry is it's really exciting but yeah I think there is an expectation now when people are in business um, or making decisions yeah they expect to see a map and to see the bigger picture like you said it, it gives context to information 
and yeah, it's really powerful for communicating information, sharing knowledge, and then also making decisions sort of based on that data. I think it's really vital when there's when there's spatial data involved, communicating in, in the right format. I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of people listening that are thinking, oh, what kind of data do we have? Or if you're in like a marketing comms team, like, oh, maybe we need to think about a different way of doing this. And I think, Mel, you've, you've demonstrated perfectly how, I guess, a diversity in content in, in different kind of ways, and, and you mentioned all the different ways that organisations can be communicating better, can make a real difference in the impact that they're making in the space that they operate. Uh, how do you see data storytelling evolving in the future, Mel? Well, I think one of the things that we find quite a lot and as a filmmaker this is you know we do things like online offline you know as a theater maker as well like things in real spaces i think in terms of storytelling i mean we we'd like to see more video ways of bringing stories to life that you know whether they're data stories or whether they're human stories that people really valuing the text is important but there's more beyond the kind of the map the text and being able to engage with people and part of the reason that a lot of organisations don't do videos. They think it's quite expensive. There's a bit of craft that needs to happen, mm. developing stories, developing you know, ideas. And that's what we see is I really wish people really understood the process behind making good stories because then we'd see a lot more quality out there. And, you know, that's just, that's my little, that's me and my little high horse. And we'd love to, you know, we'd, we'd love to be part of that conversation about how, to, how can people make things efficiently but also, you know, craft things well. I guess... Coming back to the evolution of storytelling and place as well, one of the things that's happening is it's really a kind of a global um, movement is around place-based decision-making. And that's something that, you know, whether you're a private company or whether you're the government, this place-based decision-making is, that's the rhetoric. And there's, for me, just in terms of the work that we do, there's a huge need for those kind of location, community-focused information services especially ones that bring data and policy to life, but also that can really convey the needs of communities too and to be able to kind of be a channel for communities to and people to interact with. So I think, you know, as Dion said, like location is the thing that connects people. It, that sense of place is actually really personal and, it, it, you know, it defines people. Mm. So, yeah, I guess, you know, for us it's really the... The data storytelling for me is like how do we how do we get more people involved with decisions around extractive industries like infrastructure, the use of our natural resources such as water and planning, and how we're managing um, our environment. You know how we can best support our communities. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point. So, um, yeah, it just had me thinking. I think just the way that society's going as well, a little bit time poor, everyone's really busy. And so when you're trying to communicate important information um, about yeah policy and these sorts of or open government um, sort of information, yeah, doing it in the right medium and giving the right information to people in a pretty clear way, uh, rather than, like you said, pages and paragraphs of text, it's, it's vital, I think. Because, yeah, these are important issues for society. And so, yeah, we need to know the truth about things. Uh, and so, yeah, communicating it in the right way is, is crucial. Yeah, I think people need credible content and stories that explain what they need to know to help them make informed decisions. Yeah. And, I mean, government's really great at selling policies. You know, I mean, a lot of the content that's made in government is made by advertising people or their campaigns, where what we're fundamentally missing is that, that sort of useful information that helps people understand what's behind the decisions and yeah. to help them be able to make informed decisions. And location information is an essential part of that. 
and it's that's where that's where our kind of focus is which is we're not selling stuff <laughs> we're you know we're not proofing a project just really helping people get the base information they need to for them to feel confident that they can get involved in mm. and Dion what do you think about how data storytelling and maps is going to evolve in the future, especially coming from a GIS background, but also from a technological point of view. Uh, Where do you see things heading? Yeah, I think um, just like Mel's touched on, the key is transparency, so getting more data uh, out there. So in the open data sort of movement um, and open government movement, that's key. Um, And then, yeah, the, the child in me looking into the future, thinking about some exciting new technology, for storytelling with data um, is probably something like augmented reality. So I've, I've already seen a few examples of this sort of stuff in the industry, but showing stories around sea level rise or yeah, something that's relevant at the moment in Australia, bushfire impact, these sorts of things, and explaining or showing that, that information to the person through augmented reality, that's going to bring the story home even more. And then I suppose the other thing to bring up is that I think aside from some of these new new technologies, we've already got a lot of great software, got some great applications out there today. They're more than capable of, uh, of communicating really powerful messages. And so I think the key now is yeah, getting the data and then putting that to good use, um, communicating stories with that data. Okay, great. Thank you guys so much for joining us on the podcast today. That's all we've got time for. We'll be including some links on the NGIS website. So any of our listeners who heard about today, I know a few things were mentioned there from Nook, so Common Ground and Open Government, and from Dion's side, Global Forest Watch, Coastal Risk Australia, some of those really cool storytelling projects that both of our guests have worked on today. We're going to be including links to all of those on our podcast page. Thank you both again for joining us on this episode of Location Matters. If you want more Location Matters in your life, simply subscribe to the channel on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher. You've been listening to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS covering the world of mapping and location technology. To find more episodes or to read our blog, check out our website, ngis.com.au.